evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest instalment of your Gelsnet weekly podcast hosted by myself, Craig Gray. It's the independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and all of our content is always free. You can get us over at gelsnet.co.uk um, on the forum, where there's lots of good content up on the website. A few articles, one written this week as well, and obviously the podcast here. Um, you can get us over on Twitter at Gelsnet online as well, ladies and gentlemen. Um, firstly, just need to give a message from our sponsors, who are Forest Precision Engineering. They're a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. Been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years. And we're absolutely delighted that they're backing a podcast. You can get them over at forestprecisioneng.com. And you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand. And for information on how to book this unique and intimate space, you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Well, it's done. It's finished. He's gone. He's out. The 18th manager of Rangers Football Club is no more. And uh, we're going to dissect it all tonight, ladies and gentlemen. First off, to introduce my guests. Um, first of all, Mr Colin Armstrong. Colin, um, you're making a long-awaited return today. What a time to do it. And a nice wee, uh, you know, strip in the back you've got there as well. Yeah, always looking to the future. Craig, trying to be positive. <laughs> uh, I see. I mean, only other time I've been in the pod this season was the first game of the season when we got beat off Kilmarnock. So maybe we need to stop scheduling me on the pod altogether. Maybe that's the problem. You know, maybe if I stay clear, the Rangers will start winning again. But yeah, it's just you know, it is what it is. We're, we're back where we are. We're almost a year to the to the day since Geo went. You know, I mean, what was it? Eleven months ago now. Uh, it just feels like a repetitive cycle, but. Uh, hopefully, Mr. Davis will keep us going in the interim period. Yeah, hopefully. And another guest as well, Mr. Gary Valentine. Gary, um, how are you doing, mate? I'm not bad, I. If you take away a bit of Saturn with Rangers, I'm pretty good at the moment. Uh, well, I suppose I've ended the week on a high with some good news. So, do you know what I mean? It always goes in the garden. Sunday could be the start of the week. It depends on what you look at it. Mm, I suppose. I suppose. I'll always say the end, but, but I. But there you go, it's all about opinions, and we're definitely going to get into them tonight. Come on, start with you. I mean, look, I said before, I never bothered to do an agenda tonight just because I didn't feel there was any point. I think it's better just to have a, a sort of big discussion. And, you know, I, I know everybody's angry and negative and all that at the moment, and fair enough, you've got every right to be, but it's just uh, kind of just scuttled and speechless. Do you know what I mean? It's like that performance yesterday. You, you could kind of tell that something like that was going to come and just, you know, spiral into complete and utter chaos. And that that is what happened yesterday. Just horrific performances recently. Um, nobody knew what Michael Beale was doing. You know, we had that run of games there, you know, obviously before Saturday. And I tried to be a wee bit positive, but I think we all knew in our heart of hearts that this was going to come eventually. Yeah, it's been coming. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, of late, it, you know, was it four or five games we went on a, on a winning streak there and not conceding a goal and all that kind of stuff. But it felt it had to go on an incredible run to to appease the doubters within the support. You know, I felt even if he'd went on a 10, 12 game run, if we hadn't made any inroads on in Celtic uh, during that run, the next defeat would have, would, would have started it all off again. Uh, and... You know, he's he's kind of made a lot for his own back here. It's it's of his own doing. You know, when he came in last year, 
I, I think he settled the ship. With, you know, performances improved. I thought he, he bought well in the January window. I thought Raskin and, and Cantwell were, were, were two good deals. I thought they played really well for the, for, for the remainder of the season. And it, it, it just kind of felt that the foundation was there to build on and push on in January. We all knew this, this rebuild was coming. Uh, but it's it's just been a disaster. The recruitment has been a disaster, especially in the forward areas. And and watching that team yesterday, you know, uh, we were sort of saying before we came on air, you know, I don't look forward to going to Ibrox anymore. The football this season has been, it's turgid, it's awful. Uh, that's one of the problems Beale's created for himself, I think. There is just no identity with, with, with this team. You, you don't know what it is he's trying to do. As I said, the players he's signed, especially in the forward areas, you know, I, I just don't know what he was trying to do. I just, like, Dessers just doesn't look like the, the, the type of striker that we needed. Uh, Lammers, I actually think Lammers is, is technically quite a good football player. I, 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 you know, he's got a tidy touch and good movement and all the rest of it, but it, it, he's never struck me as the type of player that, that we were needing in particular, and I, and I don't know where he, where he would sit in the system that we, we try and play. You know, Seymour, Cifuentes, you know, I've, I've seen this yesterday, we've sent Lowry to Hearts. You know, Cifuentes is, it's very early on in his Rangers career, but it just strikes me as another midfielder that takes the easy, sensible, or it, you know, there's nothing in there that, there's no risk taking. There's no sort of, like, let's try and, you know, play a nice pass between the, 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 the fullback and the centre half and, and get the defences turned. There's none of that. It's all side to side. And my son actually, yesterday we were sitting, and it was it was like Geo all over again. It was at a horseshoe, so he was like, "This is going to this is going to go for Tav, to Golson, to Davies, to Bonner, and then back at you know that whole." And that's for about three or four times. That's all it done, and it was just in fact it was Redvan at that point because it was the first half, and then you see the depth of, of Bill's sort of tactical genius. And, and this whole thing, his big change at half time is to bring on Bonner because obviously he's looking for more aerial balls into the box. So it's just been poor. I mean, and even the players they signed in January who, who who were good buys, their forms fell off a cliff this season as well. I mean, other than Servet away, I think Raskin has been honking. Uh, Cantwell hasn't reached the levels that he reached last season. I think he's been getting played out of position, but he, you know he's still not looked anywhere near the player that, that we'd bought towards the end of last season so it's it's all on Beal you know it's, it's his, his his downfalls of his own making but there's also questions got to be asked about the board and other people within the club because uh, as I put a tweet out yesterday saying if, you, if you're in a, a repetitive cycle of making appointment after appointment after appointment and they, they can't fix it then there's something wrong further up the tree in my opinion yeah, I think um, you kind of hit the nail on the head there in terms of it is entirely Bill's fault. It is of his own making this, you know. He's a man, I don't want to maybe get any like personal jibes or anything like that, but, you know, I think character's a big thing and you can tell by a lot of people he did seem to be just somebody who would make stuff up and... To be fair, I don't actually mind that in some managers before, like maybe play mind games or this, that, the next thing, if there is a thought process behind it, or, you know, it results in something good. But it just seemed like Bill was making stuff up, like, just because he didn't know what to say. You know, and I did a few deals with press conferences and it was okay, I suppose, to deal with. But the guy felt as if he was talking for no reason. He, he, he contradicted himself a few times, I think. You know, there was yeah. someone someone posted a comment today that I saw, and it was about the boy Rice, 
and he was saying, you know, he's only 17 and we need to protect him, blah, 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 give him game time. And then when he's needing a goal, he's ch- he's chucking on Loveless. And, yeah. and, and I mean, the atmosphere was toxic yesterday. I, I'm not entirely sure what that boy got out of that experience yesterday of coming on, because yeah. within two minutes of him coming on, Aberdeen get the third. And, you know, the, the, the ground is it's half empty and it's toxic. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what chucking that boy on done. You know, if anything, I, I, I think that doesn't help his his sort of future development. Uh, so he does, he's, he's contradicted himself. You know, he talks about doing one thing and then does something totally different. So, yeah, he's, uh, I, I just wonder if he, the job was too big for him. You know, I, I think Michael Beale, would, you know, there was all this talk about him being the brains behind the Steven Gerrard thing. And I, I don't necessarily think that, that there isn't any truth in that because... It certainly felt that when Beal left Villa, that Villa's form fell off a cliff and, and Gerard struggled a wee bit there. But, you know, there's it's, diff- it's a different job being a number two and being the, the tactician and all the rest of it and being the guy that, you know, builds a game plan and all that kind of stuff. It's a big thing to stand in front of a, a group of primed athletes who are off Villa testosterone and, and got high opinions of themselves and drill that message into them. And, and I just don't know if Beal's got that in him you know what I mean that, that's that's what I wonder about if he if he, would he inspire me if I was sitting in a dressing room putting the boots on to go and play for him would he inspire me I don't know and, and to me that's the difference between a leader and a sort of number two a tactician and, and I just wonder if Beal's not got that he's not got that characteristic in his, in his makeup and so where he was before is probably what he's best doing No absolutely Gary I mean I don't like to you know look at fans and stuff like that, but we need to be honest with ourselves here. We all wanted him in, right? So, I mean, you'll probably get some of you know, the I told you so people and all that, which is like, you always get that, but, you know, we all seem to want Gio in, in that field. We all seem to want Michael Bale in, in that field. So, you know, I think as a fan base, we need to have a look at ourselves as well and, you know, say, Maybe, you know, the type of people that we're wanting to, to bring in is not the right type of people because it's not worked two times in a row. Who's going to be making the decisions on, you know, the boardroom level to actually bring in a new manager um, when it does eventually happen? You know, and even then it's like, is there going to be a director of football? What's happening with a sort of process as well that we seem to still be evaluating? So the whole thing at the moment, everything's just just really, really bad, isn't it? <laughs> It's, it's no great. Um, as for who the fans were, I think as fans we can have opinions and people can maybe attach to the club. But I think there's certainly a bit of nostalgia with Van Bronckhurst uh, because of the player he was. I think there's a bit of uh, favour for Bill because you could say we were kind of successful when he was there previously. But at the end of the day, it's not the, the fans that pick the manager. It's it's the board and the, the uh, chief executive and, and whoever else it might be, director of football at the time. But um, we need to learn from mistakes. Because as you say, we've, we've had two managers there that have uh, pretty much been carbon copies of each other, steadied the ship a wee bit. And then when they've had their own kind of run at a pre-season and whatever, it's just not worked. Um, I, I was thinking earlier that I generally... 20 past nine, I came down the stairs there after putting my wee boy down to sleep and uh, seen the news that my phone was like red hot. Everybody texting me, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, my wee boy's just turned two. And this is the fourth manager that Rangers are going to have. 
I was 13 when Rangers got their fourth manager. And my boys also seen us win the league and be in a European final in the space of 24, 25 months. And it's it's just bizarre how we're in this situation because there's, there's plenty of positives that, that have happened, but there's a hell of a lot of mistakes that we just don't seem to learn from. And I really hope that the, whoever the next guy is that comes in, we've really done our homework and it's it's a guy that's best for the job rather than a, a, a friend a, a friend like uh, people have been in the past or somebody that's, that's favoured just because he's got some kind of connection to the club because like, we really, really need to get this right because as I tweeted yesterday, uh, I think it was at full time, I says, I, I like Bill like I did G- uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst. I says, but I like when he's better. And that's the thing that we need to get back to doing because we've not done it for a long, long time. And I, I keep saying it every time I'm on this, we've won two trophies in 12 years. That is not good enough for Rangers. That's on par with St. Johnston. That's, that's where we are at the minute. We really, really need to get this right because I'm sick of seeing Celtic winning league after league, treble after treble. No, no, you're spot on, mate. Um, do you know what? In terms of like maybe positives, I've said this earlier, what an opportunity this is for somebody, though, in terms of, like, look at Steve Davis, for example, Colin, um, you know, I like the well, I say I like the guy, I love the guy, he's my favourite player, if he still is a player, I don't know. Um, but, you know, he's a leader, he's, you know, got all the characteristics, I said earlier on Twitter, he's, you know, he embodies everything that a Ranger should be, you know, he's he's confident, he's a, he's a hard worker, he's humble, he's down to earth. Um, and, you know, for me, I think we could do a lot worse than him at the moment. Um, the options out there are, you know, not great, really in terms of, like, free agents and stuff like that. And I think something that I want to say as well is that maybe as a fan face, our expectations of who we are going to bring in is too high. People keep saying, oh, we shouldn't get a project manager. You know, we don't need another project manager. The reality is that is the market that we are in. We can only get a project manager. And, you know... The days of us attracting the best talent, you know, players and management are long gone. You know, and even like Graham Potter, right, I'll just use him as an example because he seems to be like the sort of, you know, the realistic, unrealistic target, if that kind of makes sense. But Graham Potter was on 10 million quid a year at Chelsea <laughs> and he's still getting paid out by them at the moment. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, even if Graham Potter loved Rangers, wanted to go to Rangers, thought we were a big club, this, that and the next thing, it wouldn't even be him that made the decision because he'll have an agent there. He'll have people working for him that will be saying there's a, like, a minimum salary threshold and expectation that you've got to get. And there's no way like on earth that we're ever going to get anywhere close to that and break the bank for a guy. But even with him, someone like Potter, he is still technically a project manager, even if you know we could somehow manage to lure him because, let's face it, the guy hasn't won anything really, has he? I mean, he done all right, in Sweden and stuff like that. But, you know, he failed at Chelsea. He'd done well at Brighton, you know, to be fair to him, but he still didn't, you know, like win anything with them. So, you know, it's a market that we're in, unfortunately. But what a great opportunity for whoever it is, Colin, I think, within the space of two months, or even if it is Davis right now and he continues a bit longer, in the space of two months, you can already have a trophy in the bag and you're a winner straight away. That can do wonders for someone. So, you know, I think that that's kind of my take on it. What's your thoughts on, you know, Davis coming in and the new sort of team um, that's been put in place? 
I mean, first of all, go and congratulate him. You know, it must mean a lot. I mean, he's he's obviously a Rangers man. I, I also think it'll be a big thing for you know his wider community in Northern Ireland. But we, we bring a, a huge support for for that part of the world. And to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever had anyone picking the team for Rangers that, that that's came from Northern Ireland. So you know, as I said, lots of supporters come over there. Uh, it'll be good for them coming over, knowing that it's sort of one of their own that's that's picking the team now. As you say, he is he's, he's the embodiment of a ranger for me. Uh, you know, he's he's a he's a he's a class act really as as a person and as a player. Uh, and so I, I hope he does well. And who knows? You know, he might do well enough for the board to con- to consider him uh, for for the permanent post. Uh, you know, if he does well enough, I wouldn't mind that. One thing I think Davis will do, he'll, he'll maybe bring a bit more unity because, you know, Ibrox is toxic at the moment. It's just, I, I, as I said earlier on, I don't enjoy going to the games at the moment. You know, the, the football's poor, the atmosphere's toxic. And you were just waiting on it turning yesterday. You, you know what I mean? We started well. Uh, Dessers missed that chance. Seymour should have maybe scored with that, that header that he had as well. You know, if I had two or three chances to score, not taking them. And then you could just feel it running about the 20 minutes, Mark, the, the crowd starting to turn and all the rest of it. And it's just it just feels like no one in that ground is behind the guy in the dugout anymore. And that makes it a really enjoyable experience going into football. And like after the game yesterday, I, I went down the Paisley Road West, went into the Viceroy for a pint to watch the Liverpool Spurs game. And, and like Liverpool are another team that went through a big rebuild and all the rest of it. You know, they've got ready half their, well, no half their team, but certainly their whole midfield and a couple of new forwards and all that kind of stuff. You know, they were doing to nine men and you could see that wee pocket of supporters were so behind already, you know, even after that major rebuild, they're buying into the new players that have come in. Obviously, they've, they've bought into Klopp a long time ago, but you could just sense the, the sort of togetherness, you know, even though they were doing to nine men, you, you, you still felt they were capable of getting a result and they were unlucky not to get a result. And I think that's what we need. We need someone who's going to come in, uh, whether it be Davis now or whoever comes in next. The, the first priority is to get everybody on side. You know what I mean? It gives us a type of football that we find entertaining that we're going to buy into because I don't think we've had that for a while. You know what I mean? It's been hard work going to Ibrox, even under Geo. I mean, I know the European final in Europe who are a joy to watch. Even in that time, domestically we were horrible to watch. You know what I mean? It was it was it was a really difficult watch. So I, that's that's what I want to see first. I want to start enjoying going to Ibrox again. You know what I mean? And then that's the foundation that you you get buy in for the support. That means you know the fans, the players, the manager are all sort of connected, all with this sort of feeling that they're you know going in the same direction. And then trophies should ultimately follow after that. That's the, you know, coming in and saying, I'm going to win trophies, that's fine. But I think there are stages you have to go through in, in, in achieving that. And I think the first thing the person that comes in needs to do is just unite everyone so that we get behind them. And I think Davis, to be fair, is capable of doing that, you know, just because of who he is and how he conducts himself. I think even if he doesn't get the results that we all want, if we see an improvement in performances and there's just a general feeling that we're, we're, we're we're heading in the right direction. I think the majority of supporters will be, will, will be happy. But in, in terms of the longer term replacement, I, I mean, I, the, the days of like I grew up when you know Rangers were going to Dungeon United to try and get Jim McLean or Aberdeen to try and get Alex Ferguson. You know, those days are gone. You know, there isn't a huge amount of Scottish managers out there that you can you can think of. 
I, I, I did notice Duncan Ferguson got off to a good start yesterday with Riverness Cali Thistle. And again, you know, he was up at the supporters, they're all behind him. And I thought, that looks pretty good. But I mean, it's very early to sort of consider him. Uh, but I, I mean, it's as you say, the manager thing is just, I, I don't have a, a huge knowledge on who's available, what what they do, and all the rest of it. That's down. That's down to the. That's down to the club. They they should be gathering information of who's out there. They should have a vision of what they want to do. And I, and I just don't think they've, they've had that in the past. I don't think the football side of the club is well run at the moment. As you say, there's no direct to the football. There just doesn't seem to be a clear vision in terms of what we want to do. That's the longer term vision. Davis is in in the short term. I think he'll 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 sort of keep us, you know, chugging along, so to speak. But the longer term vision, it needs to be. We keep on hearing it's going to be data based. I I don't see any evidence in that. I don't see any evidence of a vision on the park, because every single player that's been signed this summer, I mean, Dessers looked to me as as a secondary striker in a four four two. He doesn't look to me like a a a, a lone striker. He's no mobile enough. You know, I mean, it simply can't move about enough. As I said, Larners is the same. Technically, I think he looks like a decent player, but I, I don't know where he fits into your system. That's what we need to decide how we want to play the game and take it from there. And that's 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 on the board, Bizgrove, all the rest of it to sit down and plan what their vision is, and then find the, the right people who are going to implement that vision. Yeah, I mean, Gary, I, I was thinking about this earlier when when Davis was announced. I mean, two of the most successful managers in Rangers history. Walter Smith and Alec McLeish were sort of, you know, I would maybe say uninspiring appointments at the time. You know, people think Walter Smith is like fair enough coming in for the last couple of games of the season to, you know, try and win the league and whatnot. But I think generally speaking, the fans expected a bigger name, same way Alec McLeish. And they two went on to, to be legends. So, I mean, you know. I'm starting to get those kind of feelings again where you're like, ah, Stephen Davis kind of came out of left field. He's not someone who, I, I said earlier, you know, I, I didn't think of him automatically as somebody um, that could have done it. But I think one thing that's for sure is that the board are going to take their time over this. And then it kind of becomes like a dilemma because if Davis is doing well, you know, say for example, it gets to like December, January time, and we've won most games, we've, we've won the League Cup, we've at least, you know, clawed back some of the deficit on Celtic um, we've progressed in Europe if he's doing a good job and he's already won a trophy it'd be a bit difficult to turn down and tell him that he can't stay until the end of the season at least so you know it'll be a dilemma if that does happen hopefully that can happen and he can he can have success um, but as I said to Colin Eller, I think we could do a lot worse than someone like him and it might sound like I'm coming across like a Rangers Dan in the sense that he's, you know, he's somebody that knows the club, he gets it, this, that, the next thing. But to be fair, I kind of think that is what we need just now. There's not very many people out there that are available that know Rangers. Stephen Davis has worked under Walter Smith and Alan McCoist, two of the biggest legends that this club has ever had. He's also worked under Stephen Gerrard, who is a leader. Um, and Stephen Davis is a leader as well. He's also surrounded himself with guys that know the standards of the club as well. Guys like Stevie Smith, Alec Ray, Colin Stewart's obviously been there for a while as well. So I'm actually really excited about this, mate. What's what's your thoughts on on the new team, Gary? Um, a couple of things. I think uh, Jimmy Nicholl, he's uh, picked the team before Colin. So oh, yes. Um, there you go, there you go. Uh, 
I, I can understand why you forgot about that because it was a hell of a time to be a Rangers supporter. Um, I, I can't believe I forgot about the five each game, perhaps, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> right, anyway, so I lost my point, my train of thought there. Um, see that the thing with Stephen Davis, I, I, I totally get it. I think it's a, a, a reasonable short-term appointment. But what we need to do is keep our options open. So, for example, if he comes in and wins, for talking sake, 10 games. 10, it was his first 10 games. We win the, the League Cup. I don't even know when the final of that is, right? But if we were to do that, but the games were, weren't they great and it was worth scraping by and whatever, then you've still got to say, is he the right man? But if he comes in and turns us into this machine that you can actually look at the team and say, I know what he's doing there. And the team know what they're doing because at the moment, I don't know what your system is meant to be. I don't know what the tactics are meant to be. And the one thing when Gerard was there and it wasn't going great was you could see what he was trying to do. And it was just a matter of clicking. But with Bill, I didn't see it. With Gio, I didn't see it. And, and that's all I think we we, we need for the Davis if he's going to be, um, if he's going to have a chance to get the job permanently. But he really needs it. It's not just a case of steady in the ship if he wants the job. He's got to, as I said, do something that's going to make everybody like proper impressed. Because winning games at Rangers domestically isn't really a difficult thing. It's just good. Kind of like you could win 10 games in a row and then get beat for Celtic. You know what I mean? I, I, I think we've got to maybe calm our, our ambitions here in, in terms of what Davis can do, because we have to remember he's, he's working with the same group of players and we've just acknowledged that these players, the ones that have come in anyway, just aren't good enough. So, you know, I just want to see an improvement in performances. I want to see an improvement in the style of football we're playing. I think Bio has put us in a position where we're actually worse off than we were this time last season. He's brought in players. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't, I'm not convinced that Sakala was good enough for Rangers. Scored goals and all the rest of it, but I'm at that top level, especially in the Champions League, a couple of times he looked a bit, you know, well off it. Same with with Cholak, you know, good striker who scored goals, but I, I just never ever got the impression that he was what we needed. You would have to say we've got rid of them and replace them with players who are, who are actually worse. So you have to you have to be realistic in terms of what can Stephen Davis do. You know, he, he might be the guy. You know, we might have got rid of this conductor, but. The guy that he's passing the, the baton on has still got the same orchestra to play with. You know what I mean? It's it, that's that's the issue. I know there's loads of players that are injured, but I, I just don't see middle to front that there's enough creativity. I'm not convinced we're winning the league cup. By the way, I think Hearts. I think. Don't call and come on. No, no, no. One thing we're not in the final yet. It's a semi final, right? So, and also, you know, teams can smell blood. They can. Aberdeen came here yesterday knowing they could get a result. Right. I, know, I, know, I know that the guy behind that is gone, but we still have the players. And that's it. There's just not enough creativity in that team, for my, in my opinion, to get goals. And and I think, it, I still think it could be a long, long season. You know what I mean? I think... The, the, the season's the done. There's no chance we'd win it well, the, yeah, that, that's you know, it's I, I can't see us winning the league. You know, I've, I've seen people today suggesting on Twitter and stuff. Well, it's not done. You know, we've still got three games of all firm. The problem with me is this: this team just 
they're a mismatch. There's I just don't see what system you could you could get with this team. Okay, maybe once Cantwell comes back and, and Raskin, you know, you 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 solidify a wee bit, you'll maybe get a wee goal or two at Lawrence and Cantwell. But you've still got Lammers up front who doesn't look like he's going to score you a huge amount of goals. You've still got Dessers up front. The only one I've got a wee bit of hope for is Danilo. I, I think he looked good when he, when he for, for about 15 minutes up at St. Johnson before his, his face got caved in. So we might get goals out of him when he comes back. Ruth, you know, we know what you're going to get with Ruth. He's going to come back, make you think that this is him, get three games out of him, a couple of goals, and then he's out for another three months. You know what I mean? That's all you're getting. So that's my biggest problem and my biggest fear with this team. There's just not enough goals. It's just a mismatch of a team. I don't know what Beal was trying to do with, with these players, what system he was trying to play. And that's what Davis is going to have to try and do. He's going to have to try and get a tune out of the players that we all admit aren't good enough. That's what Davis, that's that's his job now. He's going to have to try and get a tune out of these players, even although they're not good enough. Well, I, 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 I was trying to, you've pretty much said what I was trying to say. But my point I was trying to make was that if Davis is serious about the job, he needs to implement a, a, a system that we can actually say, we can see what he's doing here, whether it's with the players or what's, what's the word, and if, if there's players that need to be replaced, but at least we can say, well, that's what he's trying to do because at the minute, I just didn't see what, what yeah. his tactics are, I mean What I'm thinking about like in terms of like, you know, we want to see a well-coached team, we want to see good football. That's obvious. Obviously, we want that. But to me, I think that now we need leadership and we need a manager. There is a big difference, and we have found out the hard way, between a manager and a coach. We've seen Michael Beale clearly was a good coach and, you know, he had great skills and qualities and that, but he is not a manager. For me, we need someone that is a leader, you know, someone that can command, command instant respect. At the moment, we've got that with Davis. So... That's my kind of thinking behind it. And I know every manager should have like their own philosophy of how they want to play this, that, and the next thing. But at the end of the day as well, that's why you hire coaches to coach. Now, I know obviously a manager should have like the overall saying, you know, it should be his decisions and whatnot. But for me, leave the coaches to coach and let the managers manage. That's the way that I think it should be. Sounds probably a bit too simple, but some things in life... Um, the simpler they are, the easier it is, and you know, the, the more successful it is. I mean, even guys like you know Pep Guardiola, who you know, obviously get an incredible way of playing football. That guy surrounds himself with probably about 10, 20 of the you know the most professional, world class coaches in the world that implement a playing style every day. And it's it's something that's kind of confused me as well. Like the last few months, or I talk about style because. Since when did Rangers fans care about having a style of play? Like, let's be honest. Well, in my life anyway, the year we won the league and Dick Advocat is the only two times that I've seen Rangers teams play good football. And to be fair... We're, we're winning think, trophies, Craig. That's the problem. We're winning trophies yeah, against the Rangers. Yeah. Aye. No, you're right. And I, I think maybe the whole style of play thing was probably just used by people as another stick to be deal with, which is fair enough because that's what people do and it was terrible. But, you know, I, I just, I think the whole style of play thing maybe is a wee bit sort of, you know, like, I, I think people might be taking that a wee bit too seriously because, you know, we've, we've looked at things recently and we've not been successful, Gary, 
you said it earlier, two trophies in what 11, 12 years, it's not good enough, but um, we'll need to see what happens. Um, Colin, um, where do you think it started to go go wrong for Bill? Um, for me, it was probably just after the, the semi-final last year. Um, cup final, you know, I maybe gave him the benefit of the doubt, even though he picked the wrong team. But for me, that semi-final against Celtic, you know, the guys came in, he's not managed to win any of the cups. So it's like, what's he doing? When when do you think that it started to, to go wrong for him? I mean, I, I gave Bill a free pass from when they came in until the end of the season because of the way the situation was. You know, I thought, as I said earlier on, I thought he bought well in, in January. I think it's went wrong in the pre-season. I think he's, his signings have been really poor. Uh, and there's also I've also heard various rumours and stuff on, on social media and stuff like that about one of the coaches that was, was sort of let go in the summer and the players were really angry and but Bill never done anything, you know, he, he wasn't getting involved and again it comes down I, I, I think this comes down to a lack of leadership, you know, and, and that, that's the thing with Bill. I don't think he's a leader and that's the problem, you know, I think he's good at what he does and devising a game plan and, and supporting the, co- the the main man when he supported Gerard. but is he a leader? No and, and I think that's something that is throughout the club there, there just seems to be a lack of leadership you know it's it goes back to what I was saying earlier on if you're in a repetitive cycle of making appointment after appointment after appointment and you're still neck deep in the shit then you have to start looking at the people making the decisions that's to me that's how it works you know if you're failing as, as a club consistently and we have then there's a lack of leadership and I don't think it's just on the field I mean <laughs> How many of us are pissed off with the club in general? You know what I mean? Just about the amount of shit that comes in your inbox about buy this, buy that, buy the next thing. And that that was the sort of chat where I was yesterday in my seat in the, in the governing year. You know, you're, all we get for the club is buy this, buy that, hand over money, you know, hand over fist, give us this, give us that. For what? For the team that we're watching the now? You know what I mean? I think supporters would part with, part with their cash a lot easier if they were seeing a style of football that they wanted to wanted to watch and enjoy and also if if there was an element of success in that you know we're winning trophies and winning leagues I disagree with you that only Dick Advocate and uh, who else did you say? Uh, the year we won the league a couple of years ago I, I disagree with that I mean Walter Smith played some good football at times what Walter Smith was good at was getting results when the team yeah. weren't they playing well you know what I mean he, he, would, he would kick a result a team but I think especially in his first uh, period at the club, you know, loud drop gas going all that kind of stuff. Rangers played some good football, but you know, going back to the lack of leadership thing, that's that that's a thing that bothers me. And it's not just the football stuff. You know, you look at our, our, our sort of general reputation. You know, we get a kick in all the time for the media. Uh, reputations and fucking tatters at times with various bits and bobs. We're, we're almost looked at as a bit of a laughing stock. And the club don't. I mean, our PR is just horrific and we've just never got a handle on that at all never for about the last 25 years i would say we've struggled in that aspect in the pr stuff again it's just a, it's just a lack of leadership there's no one really there at, at, don't get me started on bisgrove because I, I just there's nothing about the guy when, when i see him talking there's nothing about the guy that makes me think i like this guy and he's going to do the best by our club i take him as someone that's out for one thing and, and he's out for himself uh, and that's it and he just 
doesn't impress me in any way whatsoever. I think he sees the support as just another way of increasing revenue at the club. And that's it. That's how I view Bisgrove. I don't see him as the, the type of person that, they, that we need to take us forward. But that's that, that's another thing. That's by the by. I just think throughout the club, on the park, off the park, there's, there just seems to be a, a lack of leadership. You know what I mean? When you look across the road and what happens with them, you know, the minute they get a problem, it's dealt with. Now you could argue they've got a compliant media and all the rest of it and blah, blah, blah. That's what we need to do. We need to Im- improve our relationship with various media outlets and all the rest of it. I know it's difficult and I, I know it's hard to stomach because, you know, you see some of the stuff that, that, that goes on over the road. And there's one big thing that I'll not mention, but we all know what we're talking about here and how they've handled that and how it's been suppressed in the papers and all that kind of stuff. It's reported on, but it's not commented on. You know, there's some obviously some stuff there that makes you a bit frustrated and angry and all the rest of it. But that's an area that we need to improve on. We need to be better at that stuff. We need to be smarter. We need to be better. There needs to be stronger leadership throughout the club, in my opinion, not just on the park. You know, not just in the man in the dressing room and in the manager's office. Throughout the club, a good club starts from the top all the way down. And I just think it's not there at the moment, and it's not been there for a while. I mean, Gary Collin made a few interesting points there. You know, I think, like, in terms of the fans, right, at, at what point do we kind of go enough is enough? Because it's all well and good, you know, going on Twitter, making a few comments. It's all well and good coming on here and we can ramble and this, that, and the next thing. See, at the end of the day, we still buy our season tickets. We still buy our strips. You know, we still subscribe to Sky and whatever and, you know, give money through the TV deal and, and this, that and the next thing. You know, Ibrox yesterday was sold out. The team's been performing rubbish. You know, we're miles behind Celtic at the moment. The place is still sold out. We could still sell 35,000 tickets for Livingston, you know, Wednesday night in the League Cup when it's peened in. Um, you know, we still buy my jails. We still buy this, that and the next thing. I mean... At what point do the fans kind of say, and I'm not one to like advocate, um, advocate like boycotts or this and the next thing, right? But at the end of the day, if we continue to sort of just be passive and not do anything and just allow the same stuff to happen all the time, it's like that's what I was meaning earlier in the sense that sometimes we need to look at ourselves and say, you know, what do we do? Like, if this next managerial appointment is wrong, and it feels like we've say this all the time, people say like the next managerial appointment's wrong, it'll be a disaster, we need to get it right well we've said that two times in a row now and it's no work two, two times in a row and we're still here, we're still going to get fans travelling over to Cyprus on Thursday that support will be there at St Mirren next Sunday, the fans have always been there, they're back the club through thick and thin with their money but at what point the fans just go enough is enough and we're sick and tired of this I don't know, that's, that's generally I, 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 I've no good answer for that I just, I, I'm hoping that, uh, that that Bennett's going to be a breath of fresh air compared to what I've had previously. Um, I'm kind of the same as Colin uh, regarding Bisgrove. Um, I, all I want is Rangers to have the best people that we can afford in, in those positions. Um, whether that be uh, chief executive, manager, sitting in number nine. Um, but I just... I don't know. I'm just that scared of it, to be honest. Um, the, the pattern we're going is that we'll write this season off, start again next year, lose the first old firm game, and then we'll be back in the same position. It just feels like a groundhog day. So I'm just uh, 
I don't know. I'm just scared. But we generally do need to just, <laughs> as, we, as you say, get it right this time. And all we can do is hope. But other than what comedians is a fan base, like protest, does the board really care? Does the owners really care? I don't know. Craig, I would argue that you're seeing... I mean, I know you're saying games are sold out and all the rest of it. I would disagree with that. There's loads of empty seats around about me at the moment. Boy behind me runs a bus. He's saying he's got spare tickets every week now. I think you're aye, but the, aye, but the, I think the point I'm making with that is like the money's still been there. Like we've all paid for our season tickets. Yeah, yeah, aye, yeah, yeah. So I know, and, and that's the way season tickets work. You put your money up at the start, and supporters all the, the, the thing that drives supporters to buy those. Uh, season tickets is fear. You mm-hmm. fear you're going to miss out on something big and all the rest of it. So that's exactly my jealous as well. Yeah, you always renew, and that's it. Uh, so th- that's that's the way that football operates now. You know, season tickets. Years ago, I can remember when I first started going to Ibrox in the early eighties. I mean, I mean, my first game it was Morton, nineteen eighty two. Uh, I think there was like ten and a half thousand there because Rangers were really struggling at the time. You know what I mean? So fans could walk with their feet, but I still think they're doing that at the moment. You know what I mean? It's as I say, I'm noticing empty seats within the ground at the moment. People I speak to who would, would go all the time, you, you start to hear them say, "Oh, maybe no go this week." Blah blah blah. It's there. How the board and, and how clubs get away with it now is the money's in the bank in July. You know because you've paid for your your seat at the start. But if you look to me, if you look around Ibrox, you can see a lot of empty seats. There's people just not turning up now. Yeah, I mean, there was a few more yesterday, and, you know, obviously, I think the cup games anyway, they're, they're never going to be sold out, you know, unless it's like Celtic or somebody like that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, may have been seeing a lot of empty seats yesterday, but I was seeing a lot of people cutting about with this new fourth kit or whatever one it is we've released now. Yeah. Um, you know, people still went to Edmondson House before the game, had their beers or whatever. People are still going in there after the game, even after we get gummed. In fact, that's probably like the weirdest thing about it, right? It's like you'll probably have people that like left as soon as that second Aberdeen um, go went and be like that. I am, I'm done. I'm finished with them. Blah 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 blah. And then two minutes later, probably went into Edmondson House, had a couple of pints, and gave them their money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, I, I really don't know. I, I think maybe eventually something will happen. Um, you seen the Union Bells yesterday respond to the players when they sort of went down and done a round of applauses after the games and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, the atmosphere yesterday, the word gets used a lot, but toxic is the only way to describe it. Um, Dessers, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that people shouldn't have done this, but I have never, ever in my life, hand on heart, seen or heard a Rangers player be booed as he was subbed first off when he gets subbed and then when the announcer said his name the boos uh-huh. get even worse for him yeah. and it's like I've never seen that before um, after the Celtic game it was bad um, after yesterday it was obviously bad again but then it's like I mentioned earlier you're just skipping whatever in the moment do you know what I mean it's like I think the whole situation in terms of commercially you're right calling it it's fear you know like my dears that's the reason that people even though there was only thirty five thousand at the livingston game right there was probably still about i would say maybe forty thousand plus tickets that were sold because you're getting guys that have just bought tickets that comes automatically off that in um, your card just to get the my dears points do you know what i mean because you don't need to scatter it's not one of the ones like the cup games as soon as you bought your ticket you get the points it's not like the league games where you need to actually physically go or put your ticket in seats up or something like that to get the points. So, I don't know. 
I don't know. We need to, hey, we need to hey, see what happens with that. Do you want to know what I think pisses a lot of people off? Is that, see, every time we get a new appointment, whether it be chief executive, director of football, that kind of stuff, it's the same sound bites, it's the same, um, but we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And they, they, talk, they talk about these pillars and they talk about um, like scouting, they talk about um, modernising the club, but nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes. We, we sign all these players and we're, we're talking, we're going to sell them for, for, for profits and whatever. Maybe they'll buy our players now. But, the, the, but, but we've spent about £15 million pounds roughly on, on three strikers this year. And you you wouldn't see any of them as the first name on the sheet. But on, on a Saturday, our, our goalkeeper is our, probably our best player this season and our biggest goal threat is still our right back. It's absolute crazy. We have the same carry-on every year and nothing changes. It's the same push time and time again. And that's what's just frustrating fans now. I, I, I mean, I, I suppose you can argue that you know, there has been some stuff in the background, infrastructure and all that around the stadium and, you know, the training facility that needed to be done. So some money needed to go to that. But I agree, you know, it's, it's the same the same sort of quotes that you get about what they're going to do and blah, blah, blah. And as you say, uh, Gary, it's just the same, you know, as you, we're still looking at Tav for goals. I've still got hopes for Daniel, I've got to say. I, I think he might score goals in this country. But Dessers, I don't agree with Burnham, by the way, because my argument always is, if someone signs for Rangers that isn't good enough, it's not their fault that they're not good enough. It's not their fault that the Rangers Rangers signed that player. Someone thought that that player was good enough for Rangers and signed them. As long as they're given 100%, I'll kind of say, right, I'll accept that they're not good enough, but if they're given, and I, I think Dessers is, you know, I, I wouldn't say that he's not trying. Uh but it, he's, he's obviously, it, 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 what we've seen so far, he's not good enough. He's just not good enough to play for Rangers. So it is frustrating. There's no doubt about it. You know, you're relying on guys that are only good enough. And and as you say, I mean, it, obviously it wasn't a £15 million net spend. We've, we've let a lot of players go. But I mean, one of the biggest things that's pissed me off this summer is, is we let, you know, Kent walked out the door, Morelos walked out the door, and uh, Kamara walked out the door for a total of £5 million. You know, I mean, I, I mean, those were the sort of players that three, four years ago we were talking about when they move on, we'll get a profit from them and all that kind of stuff. And they've walked out the door for next to nothing. And it's just, okay, we've, 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 we've made some decent money with, with, with Patterson. Uh, and who's the boy that went to, to Ajax? Bassey. Bassey. You know what I mean? And uh, there has been a couple of good sales recently but we keep on getting told that this is the model we're going to buy cheap develop sell for a profit and start the whole process again and i just i just don't see any evidence of that whatsoever quite the opposite we're spending big money on players that was six million on danilio he's going to have to score a lot of goals for us to get a profit on that you know what i mean to move him on at some point in the future so as you say gary we hear all these sound bites about what the plan is it's going to be data driven and this that and the next thing and there's absolutely zero evidence of it. We seem to hold on to players because I just don't think there's belief that when we move them on, we're going to replace them light for light. We're not, we're not going to bring in the same quality. And so what happens is you hold on to these players for too long and miss the point when you should have sold them. 
We should have sold Kamara about two years ago when he played at the Euros in 2021. He had a, he had a crack in Euros. We'd have, we'd have easily got about 10 million, 15 million for him at that point because he was he was just playing so well. But we hold on to him. Things go downhill. You know, I don't know what happened between him and Gio and he never recovers and he walks out the door for 5 million. We hold on to Morelos for far too long. You know, okay, at times we were, we were trying to get the valuation that we wanted for him, but he walks out the door for nothing. You know, Ken. I mean, to buy someone for seven million and hold on to him for that length of time, and then let him walk out the door on a free is—it's just—it goes against everything that they say they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be bringing in cheap, selling high, making a profit, but they're not. The way they're making a profit is by selling us four strips and Majors points and the museum and Emerson House and all that kind of stuff. They're not doing what they said they were going to do on, on, in terms of the football model. That's that's just not happening, or it's not happening on a wide enough scale. Yeah, I mean, see on that, like the player trading thing as well, like, I know the Kent Morelos one's a real bugbear for people and it's like, fair enough, but at the same time, you know, you do need people in clubs to actually be interested in these players as well, like, I don't see any evidence of, you know, people coming in for, you know, Kent Morello's recently anyway, like during the last couple of years at the club, there was always links with Kent going to Leeds and stuff like that. But I think they were only, they were basically offering us what we paid for Kent. And, you know, you shouldn't be selling, I know it's bad losing on a free, but you shouldn't be selling him for like 7 million quid in like 2021 when he's still got two years left in his contract and stuff like that. Um, when you signed him for that amount of money, the Morelos one, the only reasonable offer that we actually got for Morelos was the Leo one, which was, I think, 17 or 18 million quid. That was in January 2020. Now, I will always maintain, and I'll die on this hill, that, you know, we should not have sold Morelos at that point. And, you know, I'm glad we didn't because you can't sell your best player in January with six months to go. You can't do it. And at the time, um, it was incredible. That was, you know, your sort of peak Rangers version of Morelos. Um, obviously, the second half of that season, it was crap, and then we came back, and it was good to year we won the league. But you never really get back to back to those levels. But at the same time, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? You know, we can say we should have done this, we should have done that. But you know, I, I just think you can't sell your best player. You know, when you've got six months of the season to go, you're you're top of the league. You've just beat Celtic at Parkhead, and then after that, the bids that were coming in for him, they just weren't what we wanted for him, and then it. it becomes about balance, doesn't it? Because you're kind of like, well, we obviously want to make money on these players, but you need to sell them at the right price as well, Colin. I'd, I'd, I'd slightly disagree with you, Craig. I think if you if you the football operation of your, the club is operating well, the minute you get a good deal for a player, and seventeen million would have been a brilliant deal for Morelos, you move them on because you take a chunk of that money and you buy the replacement. You know what I mean? It's that's how I view it. I think I just think we're too too precious at times and I think they, that shower across the road are better at this than us the minute they, they get top dollar on the table for a player they just they just move them on that's it he's going because they're confident enough that they can bring someone in that's of a similar quality now they don't always work you know we've seen that especially in the 55 season they signed a few duds but more often than not when they, when they get a good deal for a player they let them go you know what I mean you, you, you could argue that Jota was their best player last season they didn't have any qualms about letting him go in the summer there. The money was right, he's away. So, to me, the reason Rangers don't let these players go at, at, at the maximum time is because the football side of the business isn't the operating the way it should. We're looking at it and going, well, 
we don't know who to bring in to replace this guy. And to me, that's a problem. It's just, it's if, if that whole side of the business was slicker and better ran, you would already have a rough idea of who you want to bring in and replace someone. So when the offer comes in, you then make a move for that player. And if, if, if you know, if that deal, that 17 million or whatever that was offered for Morelos, you know, that gives you money to play with. That gives you a couple of million, two, three million of that money to say, right, let's go out and buy a replacement. And another thing we're going to have to stop doing is ignoring, you know, players on our own doorstep, boys like Lewis Ferguson and all that kind of stuff. We, we need to stop this snobbery that, that that we seem to have when it comes to decent Scottish boys that are that are kicking about. If they're good enough, get them signed. That's the, that's the way I see it. Mm, I definitely agree with that one. I mean, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> Gary, it's like we're talking about all these pillars and departments and stuff like that. I mean, when you're on a football club and you don't get the footballing department right, you're kind of on a hiding it nothing, aren't you? It's kind of like, you know, Bill's time at Rangers sort of summed up yesterday in the sense that, you know, if you don't take your chances and you don't defend, you don't do the basics right, you know, you're going to get found out, you're going to get punished. And we've been found out too many times, I think. I mean, I suppose it's a fair point you've made, Kong, about, you know, that in terms of selling them at their peak value and that for me, goes back to leadership, you know, because I know for a fact as well that the year we won the league, a lot of people say, yeah, that's a, that, you know, we should have broke up the squad and this, that, and the next thing. At the same time, Stephen Gerrard didn't want to sell those players, but should that not be a time when the board say, no, at the end of the day, we've got a way of working around our business. You need to follow that. We understand you're the manager, but as soon as we get a bid in for a player of a certain value, he needs to go. And, you know, I wouldn't have agreed we sell Morelos in January 2020 with that bid, but at the same time, at least it would have shown a wee bit of consistency on the board side in terms of the message that they're sending out. Because if that's what they want to do, they need to actually follow up and do it. So at least it would have been consistent on the messaging. I mean, Gary, in terms of where we go now, obviously it's, it's Davis, it's in the now. I mean... <sighs> I don't really want to get into talking about the placements because like Colin said earlier, it's like, who is there like real, realistic targets? I, I couldn't name one, you know, person that, you know, as, um, you know, the standout candidate. There's people there that I would like and, you know, people that I prefer over others, but there's not a standout candidate. One thing for me that will be interesting to see, and we touched on it earlier, do they bring in a director of football first before they bring in a new manager? So what's your thoughts on that, Gary? And what's your thoughts on the sort of whole director of football debate in general? I think director of football um, is, is the way it should be. Can I, we've seen there with other managers who's basically called the shots for his signings. And I wouldn't say anybody, as I say, other than the goalkeepers uh, set the other on fire this season. Um, of course, there should be a balance. Can I, a manager might know a few players, blah, blah, blah. But um, we've got to a system in place that's, uh, as we've just kind of touched on, if we are going to have a model where we sell players, we should have a list of five possible replacements for any player, whether it's Tavernier or, or whoever it may be, that if a, a crazy offer comes in, you say, yep, that's your model, we're selling them, and then there's your, your five replacements. But, that's going to be led by a director of football. It, it can't be a football's too big now. It can't be run by one guy. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I think there should be a director of football. If we've not been signing people out, then that's a, a serious 
failure in leadership because if we're all being honest with ourselves, we've probably seen this coming. Uh, if not for the Celtic game, certainly the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to say that the football will go in, but the thing is, it, it all depends on how Steve Davis performs. Because if say he drops loses on Thursday and then drops points on next Sunday, the board's going to have a massive decision to make. Yeah, that's true. Colin, what's your thoughts on the, the whole sort of director of football debate? Well, it, it, it comes around to the whole philosophy that the club are saying that they're trying to achieve. That there's, there's a trading model in place, right? So again, that model is you bring in young talent at a cheap price, develop it, and sell it. So if that's your model, then you need you need someone to lead that. And those those are the sort of discussions that that managers should be having when you know when we're appointing them, when we approach them to say, "Would you want to be a manager of this club?" You say to them. By the way, this is this is our model, and if an offer comes in for for a player, uh, if it's of the value that we're looking for, he's going, and that's it. That's the model that you're signing up to, and that's it. So that's to me that those conversations should have been had with Stephen Gerrard at the time. You know, if we get a, a, a certain bid that, that that we can't knock back, we're not knocking it back. But you'll get signif- a, a significant amount of that money to then go and find his replacement. But it's, it, Gary's right, you know, that the whole thing, a club should have a network of sort of agent scouts, all that kind of thing. We should have a, a database of players that we want to sign. And then when, when we've got our squad, you know, and the, the majority of them are of a certain age, obviously you need a bit of experience in the squad and all the rest, you've got to have a spine. But the majority of that squad are of a certain age where they can be developed and sold on. That That's your model. And and as Gary says, you, you you have replacements, ready-made replacements sitting there. That if an offer comes in for a player that's too much to knock back, then you don't knock it back. You accept that offer, and you look at the players that are out there that you use you have identified as possible replacements. That's how it should work. It has to be ruthless and all the rest of it. But that's you know if we're going to become a more profitable club and organisation through you know player trading and this is what the club have been saying for years this is what they're looking at this is the area of the business that they need to strengthen then that's what you need to do there's no ah uh, well Stevie G doesn't want to sell, sell Morelos to now because you know no it's 17 million and we can't afford to knock that back we've identified replacements and we'll spend a bit of the money that we're getting on that replacement and we move on that's it we, we just need to be more ruthless, you know, if, you, if you're going to, if the club's going to talk the talk on this, if they're saying that's what they're going to do and that's an ambition, well, they need to start doing it because they've not been doing it so far. And that's why Kamara and Ken and Morelos walked out the door for next to nothing in the summer. Three players who we all thought, especially two of them, Kamara, I mean, Kamara costs us 50 grand uh, and Morelos. We always looked at they two at one point as we're going to get good money for them when they move on. And we didn't. And that's, that's a failure at sort of boardroom and leadership level because they've, they've not taken the money at the right time. Yeah. Oh, well, Gary, you can, can I just come in there again? Just I know we're running over time, but see as well as transfers, I also think that should come into um, like the, the formation, the, the style of play. Like a director of football should be using his team to identify certain players that fit a, a, a club system, if you want to call it that. So us signing a certain uh, style of player for a manager and then maybe it doesn't work out or 
successful and he gets poached by a, a bigger team. Um, then we bring in somebody who's says I want to play five at the back instead of four three three or no, I mean, but before to be bringing people in saying this is the style of football we want at Rangers, and then go and get a manager to do that, not just a name, not just whoever, but it's got to fit the Rangers philosophy if you want to call it that. And I, I think going for Gerard to Van Bronckhurst was a different style, and then you've got Bill coming in who's wanting to play two up front and things like that, which we've no played for probably since McCoist, maybe. I think it's it's just it's, we're a bit too can make up as we go along kind of thing and I really yeah, think we need yeah. to set on a, a, a Rangers philosophy and then say that's what we're doing Yeah you're right and uh, you're right Ella, when you use the term scurled that's I think what everybody's feeling this Sunday night but we'll, we'll leave it there guys um, thanks very much um, to the viewers at home for tuning in we'll be back uh, next Friday to review Stephen Davis's first game as the Rangers manager I never thought I'd say that. You know, you know, you're you're getting old when like the players that you grew up watching are starting to become the manager of the team you support. But I, there we go. Um, so we'll be back on Friday um, at nine o'clock to uh, review that and also preview this Man fixture on Sunday as well. So all that's left for me now to do is thank my guests, Colin. Thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers. Not a problem, Gary. Thanks for coming on, mate. Ah, uh, thanks very much, mate. No worries, and thanks to the guests at home. Good night, guys. <laughs>